everybody, and welcome. It is time once again for the Jack Reagan Sports Podcast here. We finally have all three of us together once again for the first time in, I think, three weeks. Uh, but we're glad to have everybody back. It is time to talk sports. Uh, we had a crazy weekend from college football to golf. Uh, yes, golf is back. Um, <laughs> to the NFL, to NASCAR. Uh, we have everything here for you guys, so let's get right into it. Uh, first things first, we had Chris Buescher win his first career race. or I'm sorry, his second. His first one was the rain delayed race. Um, but nonetheless, he, he went out there. He's been close a few times this year. Uh, but he finally goes out there and gets a, a, a big win. The first win for Roush Fenway Keselowski Racing. The first win for Roush Fenway, I think, since 2015. Um, so huge moment for them. You know, kudos to them. They really deserved it. God knows they worked hard enough for it. Uh, just going to want to get your guys' thoughts on it before we move into the playoff picture, uh, heading into the next round of 12. Who's been eliminated? Who's out? Uh, so, Slade, we'll start with you. Uh, what were your thoughts on the Bristol race uh, and, and the, the inclusion of the round of 16? Yeah, so just to touch on the Roush uh, Fenway Keselowski racing team, like you had said, um, I mean, I, we saw them sweep the duels at the beginning of the season, right? Which were non-counting races, and then nothing really since. Um, I did not see after last week. I, I talked about how the Fords have just been underperforming for the most part as a manufacturer, and then they they kind of proved me wrong this this week. And the top ten. I believe they had three Fords in the top 10, only two Toyotas, and the rest were Chevys. So, I mean, they outperformed the Toyotas this weekend in in at least finishing order. I mean, for the better part of the race, the Toyotas were running up front. They had tire problems. A couple of Fords had tire problems. Um, I feel like that was the part that kind of plagued the race at the beginning. Um, the most interesting thing to me is that the last couple of races, the first three races of this of this uh, playoff here, we haven't seen Chase Elliott perform like he has all season to where he was able to wrap up the regular season championship. And somehow he was able to get back and get up into second place um, behind Busher this past week. And I think that that was the biggest um, thing that I got to see. I mean, as you said, everything's going to reset. So he is at the top of the point standings again as we go into the round of 12. It'll be interesting to see if he's kind of back to where their their team is not performing very well, or if that second place finish is showing that they're they're going to be moving back into that dominant performance. Yeah, and, and real quick before we get to you, Nick. Yeah, uh, Toyota's looked really strong in the first part of the race, and then not only the tire issues, but definitely the durability issues as well. Uh, just just plagued them. Uh, we had saw Kyle Busch blow a motor. Uh, Martin Truex Jr. have issues. Um, it seemed like one after another, Toyotas were just falling out of, of the race there. And then I don't, a lot of people have been complaining about a lot of these spec parts, and, and the drivers are complaining more and more now about the spec parts being the major issue here. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how NASCAR addresses this going forward. I feel like they've done a decent job so far the rest of the season. I mean, hey, drivers have a big complaint. You know, we saw them come out the safety and the, the fire issues, especially after Kansas. Uh, and I, I can't remember the first race of the chase. Um, but you know, Darlington, excuse me. Um, you know when they were complaining about the fire getting into the cars and said, "Okay, hey," and then they went and addressed that. I feel like throughout the season, NASCAR has done a good job of that. Um, overall, for me, the race was not very good. Uh, yeah, we had a lot of cautions. There's a lot of strategy playing out, but outside of that, I, there was way too much going on. Tires should be failing every 20 laps. Uh, I think short track racing as a whole this year has not been a very good product. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how NASCAR addresses that going forward. I know they had the Martinsville test. Uh, so we'll have to wait and see if they come up with a solution when we go to Martinsville in a couple weeks or if they wait till next season. Uh, but 
there, there's still a lot of issues left to resolve. Uh, but Nick, your thoughts on the race in, in the round of 16? Yeah, um, not a whole lot that I feel about the race that you guys didn't cover already. Um, but Chris Busher just wanted to say that's a name that we've been talking or that we've mentioned a lot, um, especially these last couple of races. And I think um, going into next year, he's, you know, obviously we still have some races left, but I think he's going to be somebody to watch out for next year. And Christopher, Christopher Bell, don't know why I stuttered on, stuttered on that. It's literally my last name, um, but he's been easily the most consistent driver in the playoffs. Um, and at a very high level, all three races, he's been top five in. Um, so definitely to somebody uh, that I've started to enjoy watching and um, somebody to keep an eye on. Yeah, these allergies in the South are kicking my, my <laughs> eye. has been showing me the last week. Uh, but yeah, while we're talking about the playoffs here, let's go ahead and look at the round of 12 standings as we head into Texas this week. Uh, so Chase Elliott takes the lead. Uh, he is plus 31 to the cutoff line. Joey Logano is in second, plus 16. Uh, Ross Chastain, plus 11. Kyle Larson, plus 10. William Byron, plus 6. Denny Hamlin, plus 4. Christopher Bell, who you just mentioned, is also plus 4. Ryan Blaney is plus 4. Briscoe, minus 4. Bowman, minus 6. Suarez, minus 6. And Austin Sindrick, minus 7. So I feel like there wasn't any huge names that missed the cut uh, the, the first round. Yeah, obviously there, were, there was Kyle Busch and Kevin Harvick, but I, I saw that looks late, but... My thing is, coming into the playoffs, we knew they had consistency issues, especially Kyle Busch. Uh, since his win at Bristol, he kind of really hasn't been the, the same dominant driver we've seen year in and year out before. Uh, you could argue it, JGR sabotaged him and so on. Um, but And Kevin Harvick, he had those two wins earlier, but even since then, yeah, he's been getting top 10 finishes and so on, uh, but still just not where he needed to be. And then two engine failures, uh, the, the first round um, definitely kicked him out. The, the failed pit stop there at the end of the Bristol race ruined his chances of winning. I felt like he had the car to win. Uh, he just, there was no passing in that race. Uh, and, and that's where he struggled. But uh, so this is your playoff 12 moving in. Nick, back to you real quick. Uh, let's get your predictions on the, the four you think are going to be eliminated and, uh, and who you see moving on. Yeah. So let me double check here. I didn't happen to look at like that image that you have up there, but I'm pretty sure there's bottom four. I got Cindric Bowman, Suarez, and Briscoe. So, yeah, that's the bottom four, isn't it? Let me get back there. Yeah. 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 Um, so, <laughs> yeah, exactly how it sits on the screen. Maybe those other ones happen to flip around, um, but those are the four that I have uh, getting taken out here after this next round. All right. And the three tracks we have this round, by the way, are Texas this weekend, uh, Talladega next weekend, and the Roval in two weeks. Uh, Slade, who, who's your prediction? Yeah, so I, I think that the bottom four, it's, it's going to be hard. I think that Blaney is going to be a surprise person to miss in this next round. I think that somehow we're going to see one of these bottom guys get a win somewhere here in the, in the playoffs in these next three, and that's going to end up putting Blaney in jeopardy. I mean, I think that he's had a strong season. Like we had said, he was one of the highest. He, what did we say? He was like sixth in points uh, without a win. Or fourth was that the highest he had gotten up to? Yeah, so like he just hasn't been able to get a win. And so I think that all it's going to take with the point differential and stuff is, is the top six or seven, you know, getting decent finishes here and just one of those bottom four getting a win. And it's going to really put his team in jeopardy. Um, it's just really, really inconsistent for him recently. He's had a lot of problems with pit road. Um, so it'll just be interesting to see. I, I think that that's going to be my surprise miss for these next three races 
Yeah, I'm going to go with him uh, for the same reasons you just said. My other possible surprise of missing the cut is Denny Hamlin. Yeah, he's run really good at restricted plates and especially Talladega. But it seems like the last few weeks here especially, he has had horrible luck. Uh, You know, pit road incidents, uh, just getting caught up in bad accidents or just mechanical failures while he's out on the track. Um, I I could see if, you know, if that happens, especially at Texas, or if he gets caught up in a big wreck at Talladega, he has not run super well at the Roval, uh, and he would, you know, need a a strong finish there to, you know, keep himself in in the top eight. Um, As far as the people in the bottom four right now, I could see moving up. Uh, Bowman at Talladega is, the Hendrick cars are always strong there. and Cindric has also run really well at, at Super Speedways this year. He won the Daytona 500, finished second. Oh, should have finished second, excuse me, or even won uh, the uh, the last Daytona race we just had. Um, but also, Daniel Suarez at the Roval, I think, is a really good possibility. Uh, he ran there decently last year, uh, but we've seen it so far this season. He's run really, really well in the road courses. All the track house cars have. Um, so I can see if they're in a point situation, him and Chastain are running one, two. Uh, and, you know, Suarez is, needs a win to advance. Chastain just moves over, lets him get in, and then he has two cars in uh, the, the final eight. Um, but, yeah, I, I, Talladega is such a wild card track. Any of these 12 guys could win, and we could easily see, you know, maybe we have another round. You know, the last three races we had guys outside the playoffs win. Uh, you know, nobody has given up on their season, whether you're in the playoffs or not. You're still trying to, you know, earn money for next year and so on. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how these next three races play out. Uh, but that will wrap up our uh, playoff uh, preview for the round of 12. Uh, we were super excited for that. Uh, moving on, we're going to talk about the President's Cup here a little bit. Uh, the President's Cup will take place this weekend uh, in Charlotte here. Uh, I'm going to try and make it over to a practice round tomorrow, depending on when I got off of work. Um, but we want to introduce the team to you guys real quick uh, and just go over basically what the President's Cup is, especially for a lot of people who are new to golf. Uh, Nick has never been around for either President's Cup or Ryder Cup. Uh, so we kind of want to break it down for everybody, just tell you what how it works and, and so on. Uh, so we're going to start by introducing the Team USA. Um, so the big names here to start, Sam Burns, Justin Thomas, Xander Schauffele, Scotty Scheffler, Patrick Cantlay, and Tony Finau. Uh, and then the final picks to get in are Kevin Kisner, Max Homa, Billy Horschel, Colin Morikawa, uh, Cameron Young, and Jordan Spieth. Uh, both of you, just real quick, just your thoughts on the team. Uh, I mean, obviously, this is... This, I think this is my favorite time of the year because you see these big names go up and down the FedEx Cup throughout the year, and then you get to the Ryder Cup or the President's Cup, and you just see these teams are absolutely stacked. Uh, so, Nick, your thoughts first on the teams? Yeah, um, first of all, from an, a name perspective, my God, that is a lot of talent that is going to be out there, um, and there's more to come uh, in the international team. But uh, uh, just off of names alone, you look at this, you're like, how could they possibly lose now? The good thing about the sport of golf is you can go in there being hot as hell and thinking you're going to win easy and you might shoot plus three. Um, so I'm definitely interested to witness my first President's Cup, uh, see what all the hype is about. Um, I've been reading up on some stuff and just trying to get an idea of what to expect uh, when it comes here because I've been hearing about it all season. Um, so very excited for that. And if this team performs the way you expect them to perform, it's gonna they're going to be hard to beat. Slade, your thoughts on, on Team USA before we introduce the international team? Yeah, so I guess two things. Uh, this season, I I got to kind of realize through different videos and just hearing them both talk that 
Xander Shoffley and um, Patrick Cantley are very, very close, good friends, live real close to one another, do a lot of their practice rounds and everything together. It would be really nice to see those two paired together and playing. Um, also, I think that there's going to be a lot of great golf out of Max Homa. Um, he's coming off a big win, and he had stated that he has been hearing a lot of chatter from online that the only reason he made the team is because of the golfers that have left to go to live golf. Um, so I just think that he's got that little chip on his shoulder and that he's going to really perform. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, we're all big fans of Max Homa here, uh, homosexuals. Uh, I am a little upset. Uh, part of my take took that line from us, uh, but, you know, it is what it is. Uh, we're, we're still going to say it around here. Uh, but, yeah, no, Max Homa gets a huge win at the Fortnite Championship. Uh, he came up 18, down one stroke, uh, and <laughs> poor, poor guy blew the lead right in front of him. Um, but yeah, that was that was a great tournament. I am super excited. Yeah, like you just said, uh, Patrick Canley and Shawfly are best friends. I'm pretty sure. I want to say Canley got married last year, and I think Shawfly was his best man. Um, but I'm super excited to see Team USA. Like I said, I'm hoping to get out to Quail Hollow tomorrow and check out the practice round. Um, we'll have to wait and see. Time to introduce the international team. Uh, Hideki Matsuyama, probably the biggest name on here. Uh, Sung J M, Tom Kim. Corey Connors, Adam Scott, Mito Pereira. Uh, not even going to try and say that guy's last name, but it's Christian. Uh, Cam, Cam Davis, Sibu Kim, KH Lee, Sebastian Munoz, and Taylor Pendrith. Uh, Slade, your, your thoughts first on the international team? Yeah, so I think first thing is um, I, I'm really interested to see if Hideki can, can really have a great couple days of golf. Um, he was on fire to start the season when we had the golf podcast just by itself. Um, we were talking about him at the top of the FedEx Cup standings for multiple weeks, and then he has just been plagued with injuries. Basically, it seems like the rest of the season. I mean, he tried to play through it. A couple of tournaments to where he was backing out either the day of the tournament or two days into the tournament, and so it really just feels like that's the majority that we've gotten to talk about him So with this season is more the injury part. And so it'd be really nice to see him turn that around and really perform this week. Yeah, uh, Nick. Yeah, um, you know we talked about the talent on the, the uh, United States team, but there's definitely some talent here, especially some young talent. And you know we've seen in the playoffs and even towards the end of the season as some of the guys on this team um, started to gain a little momentum. Uh, some of the younger guys, M, Kim, uh, are two that come to mind. Even Adam Scott. Um, so they could definitely make it interesting if they are, you know playing up to their up to their standards and up to their full potential yeah this is a like a pushover team by any means no uh and again this is a, a team that a lot of people are arguing oh it's all these guys left to go to live it's a diminished team i still think it's going to be a great match all weekend um like you just said sun jm and siwoo kim have been really great players throughout the year uh cage lee has won a few tournaments adam scott has fallen off from his prime but he is still one of the best golfers in the world uh Mito Pereira, uh, of course, had that fall apart on 18 at the PGA Championship, but he's still proven that you know he is he's somebody who can go out there and, and play really well in the PGA Tour on big stages. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how this team as a, as a whole fares. Uh, and then, so lastly, here, real quick, we just want to explain how the President's Cup works. Uh, it's the same way as a Ryder Cup, but again, if, if you haven't you know ever seen this before, um, it's time to explain it to you. Uh, so it consists of four days. It'll be 30 matches total over those four days. Um, so it'll be nine matches apiece uh, with foursomes and using the four ball formats. 
uh, and then 12 single matches on, on Sunday. Um, so a lot of people ask, what is four ball? Um, and we just have the full definition here for you. So according to the USGA rules of golf, four ball stroke play is a competition in which two competitors play as a partner. So Patrick Hanley and Xander Schauffele will be partners. They'll go out there and play. And then the way it works is you play the hole normally, and then whoever gets a better score in that hole, so say can't make birdies and Schauffele pars, you're going to take the birdie, and then that'll be the score for the team, and you move on to the next hole. Uh, and then, you know, at, at the end of the day, whichever team has the best score wins. Um, and then match play, uh, singles is, is the same as it is. Uh, the Dell Technology Championship is what we had there. Uh, so you go to each hole. If you score the lower score on that hole, like you get a birdie, the guy you're playing against gets a par. Again, you win that hole, you get a point. Uh, you need to get 10 to win the match. Uh, or if you both tie at nine, then it's just a tie. Uh, one thing that's interested, interesting about this, and you'll see this at the bottom, um, the first team to reach 15 and a half points wins. Uh, there's only 30 points available. Um, but in 2003 uh, at the President's Cup, Tiger Woods and Ernie Els were in a playoff. It got halted due to darkness, and it, they just declared it a tie. So ever since then, if if it ends 15-15, it's just a tie. They don't do a playoff or anything anymore. Uh, and so that is how the President's Cup works. Uh, super excited to see that this weekend. I, I'm glad it's back. Like I said, it's, it's a really cool event here in Charlotte. Uh, so we have to wait and see how that uh, plays out. Moving on, um, getting out of breath from all the talking. <laughs> we had a action-packed weekend in the NFL. Uh, we had week two wrap up, uh, some blowouts, some really close games, and a lot of upsets. Uh, so we're going to break it all down here for you guys. Uh, so let's go over some scores here from week two in the NFL. If I can put it on the screen, there we go. There we go. <laughs> Uh, so the Thursday night game, we had Kansas City beat the Chargers 27-24 in a really good game. Uh, hopefully Justin Herbert is okay. Uh, Ravens lose a comeback uh, to the Miami Dolphins 42-38. to uh, The Steelers lose to the Patriots at home 17-14. The Buccaneers beat Saints 20-10. to uh, The Bengals lose on a last-second field goal to the Cowboys 20-17. to the Bears are the Bears. They lose 27-10 to the Packers. And our two Monday night games, the Bills, just, the Bills just curb stomp uh, the Titans 41-7 and the Eagles thrash the Vikings 24-7. Uh, so I just want to get your guys' thoughts on all the games real quick. Um, the first one I really want to talk about, and we texted about this in the group chat, is the Saints-Bucks game. And how, how stupid the Saints are. Uh, yeah. Jameis Winston had, I think, four fractures in his back. And they let the man go out there and try to play football. And that was one of the worst things I've ever seen in my life. Like, I, I think my disabled grandmother could have went out there and played better than him. Um, but I just want to get your guys' thoughts on that real quick uh, and, and any other games you guys want to talk about. Yeah, uh, I'll go first because I've seen Slade taking a sip there. Um, so just a couple here. One, uh, like you said, the, the decision to play Winston was idiotic. I don't know how else to put it or how to put it nicely. Um the Monday night games went just about exactly how I expected. Uh, the Bills are probably the best team in the NFL right now, and Kirk Cousins in prime time is maybe the worst quarterback of all time, including Pee Wee Leagues. A um, couple things that stood out to me. First off, Jaguars are the best team in the AFC South. Not saying that as a huge um, compliment to them, but best team in the AFC South. Uh <laughs> I want to pump the brakes on the Eagles a little bit, not just because they're in my division, but 
you know, I don't want to talk too much shit here because they do play us this week and I'm not trying to jinx nothing. Um, but there's going to be games where it comes down to Jalen Hurts needing to throw the football. And I want to be able to see him have to do that before I, you know, get all everybody's talking Eagles in the Super Bowl. I want to see him have to stand in the pocket and throw a little bit before we start talking Super Bowls. Um, Tom Brady and the Bucks are in big trouble despite somehow being 2-0. and uh, the Borough Magic is over in Cincinnati, and Russ is not saving the Broncos. That's about all I got after week two. <laughs> uh, Slade, your thoughts on week two across the NFL? Yeah, so I, I mean, I found it very surprising that the Super Bowl, um, I guess they took they, they, Super Bowl losers last year <laughs> um, are, are now 0-2, and they lost to a team without Dak. Uh, that's very surprising to me. Um, that and I think the best game of the week was honestly Thursday with the Chiefs against the Chargers. Uh, we got to see Justin Herbert get hurt on the ground. He could barely throw the ball. It was third and like one, and he could have easily walked across the first down marker to get the first down, and for some reason just chucked the ball out of out of bounds because he just couldn't even run. And then the next play, I think it's like fourth and one, and he throws like a twenty-five yard like perfect pass. Like it was either not being caught or it was getting intercepted and a perfect pass, right? Right to his receiver um, just to get the first down. Um, it, it was just ridiculous to see. Uh, have you guys seen anything on like an injury report on him at all? Was there any fresh? Uh, he's, he's still questionable as of now. Uh, it, it was an issue with his rib cartilage. So they're mm-hmm. just wait to see. Uh, and then of course we had Tyrod Taylor sue the team doctor. <laughs> so hopefully the team doctor stays away from Justin Herbert. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, it was a really good game. I wish I could have watched more of it uh, without it looking like I was watching a 1980 football game on my TV because Amazon Prime. So it blew. Yeah. It blew. The, vo- the voice was way ahead or behind, depending on whatever time it was with the commercials and stuff from the video. I'm, I'm, I am very proud of myself there because I did not curse. And for those of you uh, that oh, yeah. missed this, we didn't today, mention that. Yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't know. We did. We did mention it on 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 the on the college football show, but we we now have a swear jar. Uh, so anytime any one of us swear, we have to put a dollar into it. I originally I proposed ten, and I was just told that told that Hannah. Hannah's like you're gonna be broke by the end of the month. I was like, that's good for me. By understand? the end of the wait, show. Wait, did I did I swear? Is that why you brought that up? No, I almost did. Okay, because, because you withheld yourself. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I was like, so yeah. dang, I didn't even. And then at, at the end of every month for the podcast here, we're gonna take that money and embed it all. Uh, and see if we can win some more money. Um, but yeah, cursing more. You you owe me a dollar from Saturday still. So. Um, but <laughs> um, did you get the did you get the song yet? No. Um, but yeah, so I, I hated watching that game on Amazon Prime. Uh, as far as the Dolphins game, I mean, great for them to never say die. I can't believe Tuba looked as good as he did in the fourth quarter. Yeah, uh, he got I some think- of Mike or uh, MJ's special. Stuff yeah. in the locker room or something. I mean, he he still threw two picks in that game, but it's really hard to mess up when you literally just tell Tyreek Hill, "Hey, run deep," yeah. and then you just throw it over top of the defense. And I'm sorry, he's been in the league what like five years now. How how has no defense learned to either a double cover him or b, like there is no solution for Tyreek Hill five years in the league, especially the the, the Ravens who've had to play him in the playoffs how many times? And you know, last season, I I don't understand. But uh, the Patriots game. I actually fell asleep during it because it was that boring. Um, Mitch Trubisky looked okay, and then he threw that pick, and you could just kind of tell he, he got down on himself. Um, 
Their offensive coordinator, Matt Canada, I think is one of the dumbest people in the world. Uh, I thought Mario Cristobal was a ter- terrible, you know, offensive play caller. Uh, he, he's probably worse. Um, we already talked about the Bucs Saints. I agree with you. Uh, the Bucs are probably the best team in the NFC South. A lot of people have said they're the best team in the NFC. I don't see that. Um, that offense is terrible still. And kind of like the Jags, they're only the best team in that division because everybody else in the division is really shaky. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, their defense is still one of the top of yeah. the league. But and that's that's the only reason they're they're, they're playing as well as they are. Um, I told you this the other day. The Bengals are this year who we thought they were going to be last year. You know, when they drafted Jamar Chase in the first round, everybody made the memes about, oh, you know, Joe Bergen sacked in the backfield. And you can't make the you know, complete pass to Jamar Chase. Well, that that's him this year. Uh, he has zero time to throw the ball or, or even you know give any looks. They have no run game. Uh, you know, they supposedly made a lot of improvements to the offensive line over the offseason, and it's somehow 10 times worse. Um, the Bears are the Bears. They gave me a, a, like a flicker of hope in that game when they went up 7-3. to three. Uh, The refs eventually you know, jumped on the, the Packers bandwagon. But I knew it was coming hard. sooner or later. Yeah, Very I knew it was hard. coming sooner or later. Um, I'm not even a Bears fan, and I'm sitting there getting pissed. I was like, yeah. that's uh, terrible. But hey, we, we got one win this season. At least we're not going to go 0-17. So. Yeah, there you go. Um, for the Titans, it, it is time to move on from Ryan Tannehill. Uh, it is it is time to put Malik Willis in, leave him in. Um, my friend and I were talking, and Derrick Henry is is so not effective anymore because teams know that hey, they're just going to hand the ball off and run it down our throat, and we're just going to line up and play man on the outside. Um, Malik Willis brings in another wrinkle to that offense. They can run a lot of RPO, they can run a lot of read option, where you have a legitimate threat of hey, if you're going to load the box and go up to Derrick Henry, we'll just sprint out Malik Willis. He'll get downfield on his own. Um, Ryan Tannehill sucks. It, it is time to move on from him. Uh, and as far as the Eagles, I, I agree with you. Yeah, they looked really good the, the first two weeks. Um, I'm not ready to call them Super Bowl contenders yet. Uh, but then again, if the rest of the NFC just sucks this bad, uh, they, they might be. Uh, we'll have to wait and see. But yeah, Jalen Hurts has looked very good, but still needs a lot of improvement. Um, I just wanted to say real quick, just to get an idea um, of how terrible it, it's the AFC North, right? I always switch it up with the Bengals bear or yeah. Bengals. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I always try to. Say yeah, they went over four this week. Yeah, um, but so Joe Burrow, we talked about him getting sacked, has lost more yards getting sacked than Najee Harris has ran for. And then you figure Baltimore blew that lead to Miami, and the Browns are the Browns. Um, that there some of the divisions in the NFL right now look real bad. They do. And, and to the Browns real quick, because uh, Jesse, one of our loyal listeners, was at that game. Um, first of all, I feel bad for him for having to be there and watch that person. But it, it's been nice to see some of the players come out and be like, hey, especially Nick Chubb is one that comes to mind. Like, hey, you know, I, I should have went down or should have scored that touchdown. You know, should have just went down, ran the clock out. Like, yeah, that, you know, that, that could have helped. Same time, how does your defense let a guy wide open down the sideline, give up a touchdown? Okay. And then you muff the onside kick. And then you let them drive right back down the field. Like, yeah, okay, you, you made some de- or mistakes on offense, but your defense was absolutely horrible in a two-minute yeah. drill. Um, and so I, I put that on the defense more so than him. But uh, time to look at our game pick standings. Nick and I are now tied at the top at eight and seven. Uh, Slade brings up the rear at six and nine, which is nice. Um, so let's get into our week three picks. Uh, speaking of the Steelers and the Browns, they will kick off Thursday night again on Amazon Prime. Uh, 
hope this week is better. Cleveland opens as a four and a half point favorite. The over under is set at 38 and a half. Uh, Nick, who are you going to take? Yeah, so I wanted to change my mind after I had put my pick in, um, but I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to go Steelers. Um, I, I just think Mike Tomlin always knows something when he's facing Cleveland. Um, I do, like I said, I did think about changing it. Um, I'm sorry, Jesse. Uh, but I, I can't go back on my original pick. But I do, however, think, especially being at home, um, that Cleveland could have an edge here. But it's honestly, it's going to be defensive. It's going to be low scoring. I don't, if the under is 38 and a half, I, I'd probably take it. Um, it's not going to be a fun game to watch. Unless uh, you like watching running backs run, then just watch the Browns offensive possessions. Uh, Slater, are you thinking? Yeah, I think that I picked the Steelers also. I'm kind of drawing a blank on what I texted you earlier, but um, <laughs> I think, like Nick said, I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. I think it's kind of kind of going to look like that Bears-Rain game from the Week 1 where it's just going to be a lot of runs. Um, I think that that's where we're sitting. I Like Nick, I'm also going to hit the under on that game. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with the Browns at home. Uh, I think, again, yes, it's low-scoring, um, but anytime you have Nick Chubb in the backfield, uh, the Steelers' offensive line just is not that good. Uh, and like I just said, Matt Canada is not a very good offensive coordinator. Uh, Mitch is, is good enough to lead this team to to the goal line, um, but they're not good enough as the rest of the team. Especially with, Najee Harris should be so much better than he is. Um, you could argue if he had a better offensive line, he would be a lot better. Um, but at the end of the day, for me, Nick Chubb is a difference maker in this game. It, it's it's going to be boring. It's going to be a lot of ground and pound for both teams. Uh, but in, in that situation, I'm going to pick Nick Chubb, uh, especially with the Browns at home. Uh, moving on, this might turn into game of the week. Uh, the Bills have had a first or a very easy first two weeks here. Uh, they're traveling to Miami. This will be Sunday at 1 p.m. on CBS. Uh, Buffalo opens as a five and a half point favorite. The over under is set at 53 and a half. Nick, who are you thinking? Yeah, I got the Bills in this one. Like I said earlier, the best looking team in the NFL. Um, you know, we just seen, I, I don't know what happened to Baltimore, but we seen Baltimore get up on Miami. Um, and that's a very shaky Baltimore offense. Um, you know, uh, Lamar Jackson lost his top receiver. I think Bate, Bateman has looked good so far this year, but not really a, a proven receiver. And they still put up how many on Miami before Miami decided to wake up. Um, if you give up 14 without scoring to the Bills, they're not letting you back in this game. Uh, Slate, who are you taking? Yeah, I'm going with the Bills also. Um, not quite sure what's scarier, the Bills offense or the Bills mafia traveling to Miami, but I think the Bills are definitely going to get this one. I'm going to take the Bills as well, uh, like Nick just said. If, if there's any team who hates Tyreek Hill more than any other team in this world, it, it's the Bills. Uh, he has single-handedly knocked him out of the playoffs the last two seasons. Um, I, I think they have loaded up very nicely on the defensive side of the ball this year. I think they're going to come with a, a game plan uh, to, to you know, kind of contain him a little bit, and that leaves you with Jalen Waddell. I mean, the, the Dolphins have a great offense if Tua can play up to his full potential, um, which is getting the ball further than five yards downfield. Um, but, yeah, so I'm going I'm to take the Bills on the road. And until they show me otherwise, this is the best team in the NFL, and I, I, I don't think you can stop the runaway train that has started. Uh, until they play Jacksonville like end of the season, they lose <laughs> six to nine again. Um, moving on, uh, what has quickly become the two best teams in the NFC North, uh, we have the Lions visiting the Vikings. This will be Sunday at 1 p.m. on Fox. Uh, Minnesota opens as a six-point favorite. The over/under is 
53 and a half. Nick, who are you going to take? Yeah, um, I'm taking the Lions on this one. Um, not just because they beat my last team, but by finally getting or beat my favorite team last week. Sorry. Um, but being able to watch them and actually see, um, you know, what had gotten put into the, the box score from week one. Um, this is a very sneaky, good team. And they have the attitude like you've seen uh, Dan Campbell talk about in Hard Knocks. And they're going to be a tough team to beat all season long, um, barring any injuries, obviously. Jared Goff, the first two weeks, has looked like he did when he was on the Rams the first time. Still not perfect, um, but he's taken what the defenses are giving him, moving the ball down the field. And then you got DeAndre Swift, who anytime you hand the ball, is going to do his best to get into the end zone. Um, it's The offense is good enough to score points. The defense is probably their weaker side of the ball. Um, but I, I like this Detroit team a lot, and Vikings are going to be coming off a rather embarrassing loss on uh, Monday night. So I'm liking Detroit. Uh, Slade, who are you going to take? Yeah, I'm actually going opposite. I'm going to go with the Vikings. I think, like you guys said, I think Nick said earlier, they they had a hard time on Monday night, um, especially with the primetime game. Uh, I think this one's going to be at 1 o'clock. I don't see Kirk Cousins throwing three interceptions and then losing to the Lions. So I think that they're going to win this game pretty handedly. I think that they could at least win by 14 points. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go with the Lions here. Again, I, I think Dan Campbell has done a really good job of conveying his message to this team. I think they had bought into it. Um, they looked really good against the Eagles. Uh, they, they had a great fourth quarter comeback that just fell short. Um, against a team that just went out there and destroyed Minnesota. And then they just played Washington last week. And again, uh, it seemed like both sides of the ball were clicking for the whole game. Uh, I think this is a much improved team. If the NFC North keeps playing the way they have, uh, this could easily be a wide-open division for the Lions to take. Um, I still think they're probably a hair shy of, of being fully able to compete with the Vikings and Packers week in, week out. Uh, but I, th I think they're off to a really hot start right now. I think they're full of a lot of confidence, and they're going to go out there. Uh, and I'm going to have I have them taking the win on the road. Uh, moving on to the next game, we have the Rams at the Cardinals uh, Sunday at 4:25 on Fox. Uh, the Rams open as a three and a half point favorite. The over under is at 49. Uh, hopefully, nobody smacks Kyler Murray on the back. Um, but uh, we'll have to wait and see. Nick, who are you taking first? Yeah, I got to take the Rams on this one. Um, I think the Cardinals should be 0-2 right now. Uh, I didn't watch the Raiders-Cardinals game, but I would if I had to assume what happened, because I know that the Raiders were out to a lead and ended up um, blowing it. Uh, probably got too conservative and just gave it away. Um, I will end up going back and watching it eventually. Uh, but the Cardinals have no business, in my opinion, winning any game, really. Um, but they just, uh, they don't have anything that impresses me. Um, I, Kyler Murray is Kyler Murray. He's nothing great. He lost his best receiver. Um, I I just, uh, I think they should be 0-2, and they should be 0-3 after this week. Yeah, uh, they were up, the uh, Raiders were up 20 to nothing and ended up yeah. losing that game. Uh, Slade, who are you taking? Yeah, I'm going with the Rams also. I, I think that for a lot of the same reasons Nick had mentioned, and also just the Rams have come out very flat-footed just to start the season. Um, they had a blowout loss to the Bills to open the season. And then this past week, they played the Falcons, and I think it was only three or four points that they won by against a team that we haven't seen play very well over the last couple of years. So 
it'll just be interesting to see if um, Kyler Murray is able to to show up and and kind of get his feet moving and stuff because I think that Jalen Ramsey is is definitely going to be um, there and and very um, well he's going to be there but. Yeah, I, I think he's going to be very uh, a big part of the defensive um, swing this weekend. Yeah, I mean, I hope for the Rams he's there. Uh, I'm I'm going to take the Rams too for the simple fact, and I got my dollar ready. Kyler Murray's just a bitch, and I can't stand him. Um, but it is not it is a not a double XP weekend for Call of Duty. It is next weekend though, uh, so that that'll be something to watch out for them. Yeah, it will. Um, but I, I think the Rams are just too much. I think the Cardinals overall are way overrated. Uh, but that's just my two cents. Uh, so there's my dollar for the jar. Uh, moving on, uh, we have Green Bay at Tampa Bay. Uh, this will be Sunday at 425. Tampa Bay opens as a two-point favorite. The over-under is set at 41. Uh, Nick, who do you think? Yeah, um, I'm going with Tampa Bay on this one, and I'm going to be honest, it wasn't easy. I didn't want to pick either team. Um, the only reason I really went with Tampa Bay, one, they're at home, and two, we look at the Bears game, and when you normally think about Green Bay versus Bears, Aaron Rodgers throwing for like 450 yards, four touchdowns. That really wasn't the story of the game. It was really Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon in that run game. Um, and Tampa Bay has a very stout run defense. Um, I, honestly, if Aaron Rodgers had another target, I probably would have went the other way. But, you know, we've seen him kind of struggle with getting familiar with his receivers and everybody getting on the same page. So I think that's going to be just enough for Tampa Bay to squeak out the win. Um, but two very top tier quarterbacks and this game is going to come down to the ground on both sides of the ball. Yeah. Uh, Slade, who are you taking? Yeah, I'm going with the Bucks. also. Uh, I think for a lot of the reasons that you had kind of mentioned, or maybe it was Nick that mentioned their defense is just very stellar. Um, Aaron Rodgers, I think he's only got like two touchdowns and an interception this season through the two games. And I think that their defense on the Bucks there is going to be able to, to kind of, Keep him at at a, a steady, you know, just even game, not the stellar uh, like three touchdowns and 350 yards that we see him kind of break out and have usually. Yeah, and to be 100 100% fair to you, Nick, you did try to pick the Rams to win this game too. Uh, I did, I did. I told you I didn't want either. I didn't want to pick either team. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm gonna go with the Packers. Um, I, I think the Buccaneers' offense is is terrible. Um, I think Aaron Rodgers, usually after week one, he kind of knows how to figure out defenses and stuff. Uh, his wide receivers looked much better this past week. Um, but, yeah, with A.J. Dillon uh, coming out of the backfield, I, I think they have just enough to get the offensive edge over Tampa Bay. Um, I think this is a close game. I don't see this going over 41, uh, but I'm going to take the Packers on the road. Uh, it'll make me feel a little bit better about the Bears losing last week. Um, Moving on to the Sunday night game, we have San Francisco visiting the Broncos. Uh, Trey Lance out for the season. Uh, so Jimmy G, uh, first of all, the, uh, the 49ers look like geniuses right now for signing him yeah. uh, to that deal. Um, but San Francisco opens as a point-and-a-half favorite. The over-under is set at 45. Uh, this will be 8-20 on NBC. Nick, who are you taking? Yeah, um, I went with the Broncos, and this was another game that I really wasn't sure about. Um, you know, I, I think that Jimmy G is the better option for San Fran. Um, Trey Lance, in the little bit of time that he did play, um, didn't look, I, I don't want to necessarily say ready, but didn't look up to par at the time. Um, and we've seen what Jimmy G could do, you know, last year, which was basically just enough to win. Um, but I think that 
Russell Wilson's going to start to get a little um, better, I guess, for lack of a better term. Um, you know, I, I don't think that he's the savior that Denver thought he was, um, but I think this is going to be probably another low-scoring game. Both these defenses are pretty solid. Both the offenses have been mediocre. Um, so, again, low-scoring. Uh, I think Broncos are just going to have enough um, being at home to squeak away with one. Uh, Slate? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with the 49ers. Um, I think that, like you had said, the 49ers are looking brilliant with the contract that they reworked with Jimmy. And I think that he's going to end up being able to be damn close at, at Max and his contract out as to what he's able to collect this season based on, you know, the things that they come up with. I mean, he just has to start 50% of each game and he gets $350,000 a game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I'm going to take the 49ers as well. Uh, again, I, I think Jimmy G gets a lot of hate for stuff he doesn't deserve. I think Kyle Shanahan's a problem there. But uh, I think the Broncos have way too many issues. Uh, they almost lost this past week as well. Um, I, I don't think it's even just Russell Wilson and the offense. I just think it's as a whole team, they're, they're just terrible. Um, so I'm going to take the 49ers on the road. Uh, moving on, we have the Monday night game. We have the Cowboys, who are 1-1 at the 2-0 Giants. Uh, this will be 8-15 on ESPN. The Giants open as a two-and-a-half-point favorite. The over-under is at 39-and-a-half. Nick, who are you going to take? Yeah, um, this is going to be another probably low-scoring um, shit show. Uh, but Dallas is in trouble right now. They don't have Dak. Oh, yeah, I owe you a dollar. Um, they don't have Dak, obviously. Um, even when Dak was in, you know, they had they didn't score a touchdown. They were struggling. Um, really, what's holding this team together is the defense. And by the defense, I mean mostly Mike Parsons. Um, and I'm not just saying that because he went to Penn State. The dude's a dog. Um, but Dallas has looked good. And I know they haven't played anybody great yet. Um, but they've looked like just enough to beat the bad teams. And Dallas is a bad team. And, you know, they're in New York. Uh, the fans are probably ecstatic up there because they started 2-0. and And they were probably assuming they were going 0-17. So this is going to be a tough game for Dallas. And I think New York pulls it out. Uh, Slate? Yeah, I'm going with the Cowboys. Um, I think somehow their offense is still going to be able to click without Dak, kind of like we saw this past week. And uh, I'm going to kind of predict and say that the Giants will get to 3-1 and one after four weeks, but their third win is going to be against the Bears. <laughs> it probably will be. Um, I'm going to take the Giants as well here. Uh, I think, like Nick just said, with them being at home, I think, Dallas looked really good at times on offense. I think Cooper Rush far exceeded expectations. Um, but I think with a little bit of game film on him now, uh, and I think New York has a much better defense uh, than what the Bengals did. Uh, as long as you have Eli Apple in the field, he's your defense sucks. Um, but I, I think the Giants just provide an overall better team. I think this Saquon looks really good right now. I think they're buying into Brian Dabble. And his message, like just like we talked about with the Lions and Dan Campbell, uh, I think he earned a lot of trust week one going for it on fourth and goal, or for the two-point conversion uh, to take the lead against the Titans. Um, so I, I have a lot of faith in the Giants right now. I know they're going to let me down here soon, probably. But uh, for now, I'm going to take the Giants. Uh, and so that wraps up our week two, uh, uh, week three, excuse me, week three preview <laughs> of the NFL uh, moving on, I just flashed it up there quickly. Uh, it is time to discuss week three of college football and, and get you guys ready or caught up on everything that happened there. 
so let's go over some of the scores from the games we predicted. Uh, first up, we had Oklahoma routing Nebraska 49-14. to uh, Penn State stomping out Auburn 41-12. to uh, Oregon getting back on track, uh, going uh, beating BYU 41-20. to App State with a miracle uh, over Troy 32-28. to uh, Kansas is on a roll right now. Uh, they went 48 to 30. Mississippi State uh, falls to the red hot uh, LSU Tigers 31 to 16. NC State gets a big win at home 27 14 over Texas Tech. Texas continues to roll even without Quinn Ewers 41 to 20 over UTSA. Uh, Texas AM with a win over Miami 17 to 9. And Utah just routes San Diego State at home 35-7. to So I want to go through these games one by one with you guys because uh, I, I feel like we had a great slate of games on Saturday. Uh, starting with the Oklahoma-Nebraska game, Nick, what's your thoughts on that game? Yeah, so uh, for the weekly dose of Nick opened his mouth too soon, um, I believe it was 7-7, to uh, just to let you know how early it was. And I was like, man, it looks like Scott Frost was really a problem here in Nebraska. And then next thing you know, it was like 21 to 7. And I was like, yeah, I deserve that. <laughs> yeah, uh, and I, I did the same thing. So after uh, Dylan Gabriel ripped off that, that touchdown run, I think it was like a 68-yard touchdown run, to tie it up at 7, I tweeted out talking shit about Nebraska. There's another one. Um, I tweeted out talking crap about Oklahoma or Nebraska's defensive coordinator and how he was a real issue there. He needed fired. The next drive they go out and they got a, a three and out. I was like, oh, well, there I go. Like, I opened my big fat mouth and, and something happened. And then they went on the hang 49 on them. 49 unanswered, by the way. Um, he ended up getting fired Sunday. <laughs> so now they need a new defensive coordinator along with a new head coach. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Slade, uh, your thoughts on the game? Yeah, I, I thought when we were talking about it, that Oklahoma was was going to get a game like a game score like this against Nebraska. Uh, originally, when we were doing our picks, I wanted to pick them at minus eleven, but then you had picked Nebraska at plus plus eleven, and I didn't want to go against you. And and you had a good week the week before in, in <laughs> yeah. going what nine and one, so I didn't want to go against that. Um, so I didn't do it, and I regret it money wise. But it was our it was it was a good game. Yeah, I definitely thought Nebraska would come out and, and play with the chip on the shoulder, and they really did the first quarter. Mm -hmm. uh, they, they came out and they played hard. Uh, they just they could not get anything going on offense after that, and like I said, their defense was just absolutely terrible. Um, moving on to your guys' favorite game of the week. Uh, you might have a more favorite moment than what I did, but I'm going to play my favorite moment from the game real quick. Uh, so this is the Penn State at Auburn game, and this was early in the first quarter, but it was my favorite. Uh Takes it to him. Going to go deep. Man out there. And he's got it again to Mitchell Tinsley. I thought for sure you were going to show Sean Clifford getting drilled. No, no. I, was happening. I thought he was doing the one where he gets hit from the front and the back that you and I yeah. were talking about, Nick. Oh, man. <laughs> I mean, that was a vicious hit. but That was I, my favorite part when the yeah. backup came in. <laughs> so, we, we talked about this on Saturday. Clifford did not look like anything special, but he definitely did just enough. Um, to obviously put Penn State in a good situation. We talked about it before the season. If Penn State wanted any hope at all and, you know, challenging for the Big Ten and having a great season, they needed to turn their run game around from last year. Uh, week one, it looked okay. It wasn't, wasn't great. It wasn't terrible. Week two, it looked really good, but it was against Ohio. So this was the first true test. Auburn has a great rush defense. 
and they just took it to him. Uh, and I played that clip. Mitchell Tinsley has easily become one of my favorite players in college football. Uh, he looked really good at Western Kentucky last year. I liked what he did. Um, but I don't know what it is about number five at Penn State, but he's looked really good this year. Uh, Slade, we'll yeah, I don't know if first. you noticed, but that number 11 on defense looked good too. Yeah. Uh, Slade, we'll go to you first uh, and just your thoughts on the game. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that they really needed to change the run game. I think the last – ever since Saquon has left – or wait, Miles Sanders. Um, yeah. it, James Franklin has done this thing where he has two or three running backs and they just cycle him the entire game. No one is the number one running back. And that's kind of what we saw week one also. And then, like you said, against Ohio, we got to see Singletary be the starting guy, the guy that got the majority of the snaps, and he proved it. And then this past week, we got to see it. He did get injured to where he had to go out a little bit, but um, I'm sure that he'll be good for the season. I mean, and the, the good thing is is Penn State still has two really good running backs. Like, Singletary is great, uh, but they still have a, a great Singleton, by the way. Singletary. I was going to let Slade slide because I was like, maybe he just said Singletary. And then you said, I was like, I got to say something now. Now, uh, yeah, Singleton is, is their number one, obviously. Uh, but they, they have done a great job of cycling both of their running backs in uh, and giving them spells. Yeah, Singleton got hurt for a couple of plays, had to bounce out. Um, but, I mean, they still look good. Nick, your thoughts on, on the game? Yeah, so uh, the first thing I want to say is um, Franklin started out that game the same way he did Ohio. Um, he just waited a little longer to do it against Auburn kind of playing everybody. And then when he finally said, hey, Singleton, here it is, gave him, you know, two, three drives in a row. Then we seen Singleton, you know, bust out and started to put some points on the board. And you said about Clifford not having a great game. Um, I agree, but I think that he didn't need to have a great game. Um, that, really... That's what I was saying. Is he, okay. He, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. It's, he didn't have... He didn't have a Heisman day or anything like that, but yeah, he, he didn't go out there and throw three picks and you know put Auburn in, in a position to challenge them. Yeah, he went out there and, and he did is what not he going to have a Heisman day at all. I'm not. <laughs> I understand that. I'm just saying, you know, he that's not what he did, and that's I think what some people expect from him. But I, I feel like he, we hate him a lot on this podcast or give him a lot of hate. Um, and he went out there and he he did his job. He did what he needed to do and put Penn State in a position to run away with the game like they did. Yeah, and I think that, like you said, we talked about it at the beginning of the season, and let's be honest, if we want to compete against the Michigan or the Ohio States, like, we got to have a run game. And I think that, you know, really for us, it's just a matter of, you know, Singleton doing what he does. He was a track runner in high school. He's obviously fast as crap um, <laughs> and, and very good. Um, and if we could do that, and Clifford just has to make the throws that, you know, he needs to make, like on Saturday, third down, he makes a couple throws, like, that's the kind of team that that's a whole lot better team than a team saying, Hey, our defense is really good. And our offense is going to rely on 70 yard plays once every five uh, drives. So uh, I'm liking it. You know, we'll, we'll see here. We got two easy week. Uh, sorry. I shouldn't say easy Two lighter weeks um, as far as opponent goes by week and then Michigan. So we'll see. Yeah. Uh, moving on to my favorite game of the week. Uh, we had Oregon at home against BYU. I was very worried coming into this game. Obviously, BYU's defense had looked really, really good uh, the first two weeks, uh, especially shutting down Baylor last week. Oregon's offense looked horrible against Georgia. Yeah, they broke out against Eastern Washington, but, again, that's an FCS school. Um, I was blown away by what our offense did. It The last few years under Cristobal, our offense had looked so much different. Uh, you know, check down passes, screen passes, uh, taking defensive ends and putting them in at tight end. Um, it was hard to watch, but th this one moment from the game on Saturday gave me hope for our offense going forward. 
Uh, so I just want to show you. Seven McGee in motion. Next to throw. With time. Lots to launch. He dies. Middle of the field. Oh, Troy Franklin. I have waited so long to watch a quarterback just bomb it down the field and, and hit his target. Literally since Mariota was there. Uh, Vernon Adams was there for a little while. He, he did that once in a while. But ever since James Helfrich, or, uh, Helfrich left, uh, you know, we had Willie Taggart and Mario Cristobal come in. Our quarterbacks, and just like I just said, check down, check down, check down. Um, and so I don't know if you guys got to watch that game at all and, and your thoughts on it. Yeah, um, I got to watch a little bit of it. And uh, we talked about, obviously, I wasn't on the podcast, but in the group chat we talked about, I was scared of this game because the first two weeks I'd picked against BYU. And then it came to this game and I was like, well, I want to pick Oregon. But if I pick Oregon, am I going to jinx, you know, Am I going to jinx George's team and BYU is going to win a third one because they just like, you know, proven me wrong. Um, so I was very worried, but I had flipped over to it. Um, I think it was late in the first half, I believe, and felt pretty good about what I'd seen while I was watching. So uh, just nice to see George happy again, at least about his college football team. I just want to argue I should at least get a half point for not picking Penn State and not jinxing them and then having to pick against my own team. So I didn't jinx them. Yeah, that I, I'm. I, I don't know who else laid. I'd give you a whole point. I don't care. That, taking one for the team. Uh, no, he went. He went nine and one the first week. He doesn't get any points. Oh yeah, true. Uh, Say, so you got any thoughts on the game? Yeah, I mean, I, I did not get to watch the game. I did get to live the play by plays through the group chat. Um, but I thought it was very interesting that Oregon was able to to put that many points up on BYU. Um, yeah. I think that it's just like you had said. It shows that when their offense can get clicking and Bonix is is not frustrating the heck out of his offensive coordinator, um, he can really show what that offense is capable of. And I hope for your sake and your your mental health that he's <laughs> able to continue that for the rest of the season. Yeah. I, my only complaint about the game is we took our starters out up 30-7 to seven in the middle of the third quarter. Like, it wasn't fourth quarter. It wasn't a sealed game or anything. And all of a sudden, BYU put up 13 unanswered. I went, please put the starters back in the game. <laughs> and Tristan Thompson looked you know, decent. Uh, he had one ball bounce right off his running back's face mask and into the hands of the defender. Um, so, again, I, there, there's going to be games coming up ahead that we can definitely get guys in there and get them some breaks uh, and, you know, see what our backups really really can do. Um, but, yes, up, up 30 to 7 in the middle of the third quarter just wasn't the right time. Uh, but luckily, we put our starters back in, stopped the bleeding, and got the win. Uh, on to probably the most exciting game of the weekend. Um, one of the best environments. I wish I was there. Uh, we had Troy visiting App State. App State coming off the upset of number six. Uh, Texas A&M College Game Day was there. Uh, I predicted App State to win this by like a million. I, yeah, I thought with the same. crowd there, it would really help. I, I, I did predict it, though. I said the first half, they're going to struggle. They're going to come out in the second half, though, and run away with it. That did not happen. And it came down to a last second. You got a receiver not not sure where he needs to be lined up. Robinson in motion slot. Here's Bryce rolling out. Time to heave it deep. Throws it shy of the goal line, and that ball is tipped around. It's caught. Wow! It's caught. Oh, that's a touchdown! Wow! The win it. Mountaineers wow. win it. The only thing I wish I wish I had the the home radio call for that. The dude was just screaming. Oh yeah! At one point he started yelling Barack Obama, Barack Obama. Um, just one of the most wildest 
Uh, I think it's safe to say Appalachian State has become America's team. Um, a lot of people are asking for them to join the ACC and to kick Duke out. Uh, <laughs> I just want to get your guys' thoughts on the game real quick before we move on. Yeah, um, great ending. I, like you said, I thought it was going to be a blowout. Uh, I think I had told you guys they had won the last four matchups by like an average of 30 points. Um, not the case this time, which was very surprising considering how well Appalachian State's played this year. Uh, but little Luke Combs magic, uh, him and Pat McAfee were singing on game day. Um, that that right there is enough to will you to a win. So it was a good day for them. Played. Yeah, I, I think that it's going to be really interesting to do the rest of the season. I mean, it's uh, if we win, we swim. Or if when they win, they swim or whatever it is. Yeah. And uh, it'll be really interesting to see it. Uh, I think that it'll be a tradition that lives on for a very long time. Sort of like uh, with NASCAR and Chase Elliott's Dawsonville. Uh, with the uh, siren. So I think it's going to be something that's just a forever thing that even when their team isn't relevant in a couple of years and then they come start coming back, it'll, it'll just be really fun to see. Yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously my bucket of schools go to every college football stadium, but that, that is definitely one that is in a big red letter and a big red circle that I need to get to soon. Uh, moving on to arguably the most surprising team in the country, uh, Kansas, Whoops up on on Houston, forty eight to thirty. They were down fourteen nothing at one point and just stormed back, uh, and and blew Houston out of the water. Uh, they will host three and Duke this weekend. Uh, Nick and I really wanted to go and and host our Saturday show live uh, from Kansas on Saturday, but Slate said no. Um, but we want to give you this. Moment. It would have been a whole lot easier if it was at Duke. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, but we want to give you this moment real quick from the game on Saturday from. Kansas at Houston. Games that have included five overtime periods, too. Daniels loading up. Deep shot. He hits it. Lachlan out of the backfield. Terry Lachlan, fifth string running back. Touchdown. Everybody into the pool. The wheel route. My favorite play to run in college football. <laughs> uh, Jalen Daniels is, I am going to argue he should be on Heisman watch right now. Uh, he's not going to be because of who he's quarterbacking in, in Kansas, but the dude is special. Uh, he has looked incredibly good the last three weeks. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they fare getting into conference play here. Uh, you know, Duke is not a, an opponent to be laughed at by any means. Uh, I think it'll be a great game out there on Saturday. Uh, but your, just your thoughts on Kansas as a whole and, and any thoughts on the game. Uh, let's start with Slate. Yeah, I mean, it, it was really interesting to see. Uh... I was surprised when Nick picked them, uh, especially with the little vomit emoji in our in our uh, doc thing. But yeah, sometimes you just really, know. Yeah, I was really surprised um, to see him pick them, and then even more surprised to see it actually happen and then win. Uh, Nick. Yeah. Um. Like like I said, I I don't know. Just had a feeling it worked out. Um. They look really good, especially if you consider how they've looked the past couple years. Um, I really wish we could go out there uh, this weekend just because that like all of social media was asking for it um, when they found out that Kansas and, and Duke both won because uh, those are two teams that typically are not good football teams. Um, but here they are and they're getting ready to play each other. It, it doesn't get built up like that quite often. Um, now, some people are ignoring it because it's still Kansas and Duke, but that environment is going to be crazy. Um, but it's going to be great out there. Like I said, I wish we could have been out there, but they both can. We should live stream it on Saturday. Um, we should, but I just want to let you guys. So in the updated rankings I'm doing for Jack wagon sports, they're currently 12th. 
there's still a lot of teams I need to get through. Still 36 teams, but Kansas is 12th at my rankings right now. Um, but for anybody listening, uh, we will reveal all that on Saturday uh, when I'm working on behind the scenes. Uh, moving on, uh, we were all very high on Mississippi State. We were all talking a lot of trash on Brian Kelly. Uh, LSU showed up in the second half, especially, and, and put Mississippi State to bed 31 to 16. Um, I, I don't really have anything else on that game, uh, if, if any of you guys do. I just want to apologize quick uh, to Mississippi State because they were up and I texted George because um, I was I was on vacation. I was eating crabs uh, on Saturday. So I said, hey, when Mississippi or when LSU loses, you should tweet out, you know, yada, yada, yada about Brian Kelly. And the next thing you know, they ended up coming back. And I'm pretty sure Mississippi State didn't score again after I said that. Uh, so that's my fault. Uh, and then the last team we'll talk about here or the last two. Uh, Slade, is Texas back? I mean, third-string quarterback, second-string quarterback, it doesn't matter who they're putting in, and, and they're still putting points up on the board. So it's it's definitely interesting. I mean, are you getting nervous as the weeks go on? No. I mean, it's very early, but no. I'm uh, nervous against Alabama, so we'll see in a couple weeks. But Alabama isn't a conference opponent. They could have beat Alabama, but – uh, right. No, they still have to play Oklahoma State in Oklahoma. I think those are two very tough games. I think Oklahoma looks a lot better than what any of us thought they would. Uh, I think Brett Venables has done an amazing job with that program and getting them ready to play this year with all the departures from last year. Uh, I would love to see a bowl game with Oklahoma and USC. I think that would be the, the coolest thing ever. Um, yeah, I thought UTSA would hang around a little bit more. They definitely did give uh, Texas a scare in the first half there. Uh, Texas made some great second half and second half adjustments and, and you know went out there and, and put that one to bed. Uh, in the last game I want to talk about just because it's so refreshing to see another fan base have to go through what I went through for three years. Uh, and that is Miami losing to Texas AM 17 to 9. Nothing like punting uh, when you were down eight eight points with three minutes left and you have all three or I'm sorry, they I think they only had two timeouts at that point. Um, but just watching Miami Twitter have a full meltdown at, at the checkdowns at, at you know, it's third and six. Let's throw a three-yard hitch um, and just watching their fans lose their minds and just feel what I had to feel for the last three years. Uh, just, just brought some solidarity to, to college football. <laughs> uh, moving on, let's give you some updated standings on how everybody sits after week three. Uh, Nick leads away at 26 and 11 in game picks. Uh, Slade is at 23 and 14, and I am at 21 and 16. Uh, broke up the three-way tie we had last week. Uh, as far as our cash-out standings, Nick, uh, went two and zero this week. Jumps up to eleven and five. I went zero and two, so I said at six and ten. One of y'all can have the Iowa under this week if you yeah. want. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I really feel like the over would have hit had it not been like a seven hour delay. Uh, yeah, and it, <laughs> that had me a little worried. That game finished at I want to say it was like two a.m. Uh, like it was it was running as late as the Hawaii game. Uh, and Slade sits at six and eleven. Slade would be beating me if he hadn't put three bets in last week and lost two of them. Wait, what did I what did I go this week? You went one and one this week. Okay. Yeah. No, la- last week you put in the three bets. And I yeah, think, yeah, yeah. I think all three of them lost. Um, yeah. But so that wraps up our week three college football preview. Uh, we are going to move into our top five for this week uh, and discuss that with you guys. Uh, Nick, why don't you present it to us, buddy? Yes. So uh, I had the honor of choosing the top five for this week and I wanted to get a little controversial and I knew that my answers for this would be a little controversial. So I went ahead and went with the top five most overrated players in the NFL 
I want to hear Slate's first, only because I'm pretty positive I know two of George's. All right. So I just noticed that you put this in. So off the top of my head, I'm going to say <laughs> Jalen Ramsey. I think that this dude just talks so much crap all the time. Um, And then, yeah, I'm just going to stick with Jalen Ramsey. You guys are going to be better at this. You watch the NFL more, so... <laughs> It'll be interesting to see your guys. That's fair enough. All right. Uh, number five, I, I put Jalen Ramsey. Um, Only at I, five. Yeah. Uh, I do think he's still a really good cornerback at times, but he definitely gets way too much hype and he talks too much trash for how good he is. We saw in the Super Bowl, he got burnt really bad. Uh, Bills week one, he got burnt by Stefan Diggs uh, really bad. Uh, so, again, he definitely is good at times and has great potential. He just talks way too much. Uh, and I don't think he's as good as, as what he says he is. Uh, number four, I'm going to go with Aaron Rodgers. Um, again, controversial, but... Exactly what I thought a Bears fan would say. Yeah. Um, <laughs> again, it's, I argue, yes, he, he is one of the best quarterbacks, but I, I think it's a team around him more so than it was ever him. Um, you know, we, we see it this year, especially to start off. He doesn't have the weapons around him anymore, and he struggles. Um and so that's that's why I have him at four. Again, I, he's beat Bears ass for how many years now? Um, does that count? His ass. Nah, it's the body. Uh, <laughs> I'll let it slide. Uh, all right. Um, but uh, I just uh, yeah, probably because I'm a Bears fan, I'm a little biased. Um, number three. Is, uh, see, the top three are hard. Um, that's what she said. Uh, <laughs> number three, I put Ryan Tannehill. Uh, I think everybody equally agrees that he sucks, but uh, it's just the fact that the Titans paid him a buttload of money um, and they continue to leave him in. Um, that's the pure reason why I'm just saying he's overrated. Number two, uh, I'm going to the defensive side of the ball again. Um, I'm going to go with Joey Bosa. Uh, again, I think he's really, really good, uh, and he's definitely an influencer. Uh, I think this year he's going to – Kind of live up to his his I guess rating overall, uh, especially with um, Julio Mack being on the other side, it helps him get a lot more. Uh, I think his rookie year he was really really good. Um, I think I said Joey, I meant Nick Bosa. Whichever one plays for the, the uh, I was it's Nick. Up. I mean it's Joey. You're right. You're right. I always get it mixed up. I have ever since they played it. Oh, so I thought you were right, and then Slate said it, and I was like, wait, yeah, it is Nick. And I was like, yeah. hey, no, it's not. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, again, I think Leo Mack will help him out. His, his rookie year, he came in, he did really good. But I, I think we see this with so many defensive players. They kind of, like, adjust the scheme for it. Uh, he would have great moments, but he definitely wasn't as, as good as he was. Um, and number one uh, is Kyler Murray. Uh, again, I don't think I can talk enough. He, he gets way too much hype. Uh, he got way too much money. Uh, he is not as, as good as that paycheck is. Uh, if you lose every time there's a Call of Duty double XP weekend, and if the Cardinals put in your contract that you need to study. Um, and I get they probably put that in there for, you know, attention and all this other stuff. I think they should have left it in there. I think Kyler Murray sucks. He's not a top 10 quarterback in the league. Uh, and I'll die on that hill. Uh, but that's that's my top five. Fair enough. I, I was right. I knew two of them. Um, I probably could have guessed one of the other ones. But all right. So for my top five, uh, number five here, and uh, I get shit. Oh, there's another dollar. Um, I get hate every time I mention it, um, but my number five is Tyreek Hill. Um, obviously, he's 
one of the fastest, if not the fastest guy in the NFL. Um, but when people stay on top of him and don't let him just blow right by him, um, you don't really see a whole lot uh, unless maybe he gets a slant and gets into some open space. Um, but I, when somebody actually locks him down and can get in front of him and, and put their hands on him, um, we've seen that he struggles to, you know, get away barring, you know, just his speed. He's so fast he can run away from everybody. But um, we've also seen, like you think about last year when the Chiefs started out slow and Patrick <clears throat> Mahomes started out slow. Uh, Tyreek Hill had a couple drops, you know, wide open, ball right in the chest. I, I just think that he's overrated just because he's so fast. Like, literally, as long as you can get the ball to him, um, there's a good chance he's going to score just because he can run faster than everybody. Um, I would have put him, put him higher, but I, I do re respect his speed and ability to uh, make people miss. Um, number four, I have Jalen Hurts. Um, actually, my top four are all quarterbacks. Uh, Jalen Hurts gets a lot of hype, and granted, you know, the Eagles are winning, so I didn't want to put him too high here in the list, but like I said earlier, when he has to stand in the pocket and make throws, he's not one of the better quarterbacks in the league. Now, he does make plays with his feet, um, and with that, he is able to, you know, hit kind of the shorter throws. Um, but they're sitting at 2-0 and right now, and I still have an Eagles fan that talks to me all the time about how much Hurts uh, frustrates him. So that should tell you a whole lot. Uh, number three, talked about him earlier, Russell Wilson. Um, he didn't do crap last year when he was in Seattle and he had Tyler Lockett and DJ Metcalf. Now I know the O-line was shaky, um, but still he was missing throws and then he got injured. And we see this year he's struggling on third down, struggling on the goal line. Um, doesn't have quite the same talent he had now. Jerry Judy's injured, so he has even less talent. Uh, but even when Judy was there, still had wide receivers that could make plays around him and was just missing them. Number two, I have Kyler Murray. Same reasons George said. He's so overhyped, it's ridiculous. And number one, I have Lamar Jackson. I, every time I hear his name, I want to punch myself in the head. Um, he's a running back at quarterback that happens to hit a couple throws sometimes. Um, we see now Baltimore is struggling, and he doesn't have a top wide receiver to throw to, you know, for the times that he does try to throw. Uh, basically, he's like Jalen Hurts' older cousin. I think they're the same quarterback pretty much, um, just Lamar is a little bit faster. But, yeah, that's my top five. I, I think that's a pretty solid top five. I probably could have put Hurts in over Rodgers, um, but I don't know. It's all right. We'll, we'll let it we'll let it. I, uh, I, you, you made a good point because they – You had to pick Rodgers. Oh, two-time MVP. He had to pick – he had to pick Hurts. Yeah, yeah. He's the Redskins fan. Is Redskins yeah. a curse word? <laughs> It, it should, should be. be. It's, it's another dollar. I don't know. I, I I might want to throw five just for saying commanders. So <laughs> we might allow Redskins. All right. Well, that will do it for this week's episode. Uh, we had a lot of fun bringing it to you guys. We're happy all three of us were back together once again. Okay. Uh, Saturday, it'll be uh, the uh, out of the tunnel uh, Saturday morning pregame show. Uh, we're super excited to bring that to you guys. Once Are we all three there for that too? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, yes, sir. So that'll be a lot of fun for all, of, all three of us to be back together again uh, to present to you the game of the week in Kansas. Um, but we, like I just said, we're very excited uh, to bring all that to you guys. Uh, so make sure you tune into that. Uh, please go like all of our social medias and follow us over there. TikTok, uh, Instagram, Twitter. You can see it scrolling across the bottom here. Um, we would appreciate you checking us out. And subscribe uh, to our YouTube as well. Uh, we've been putting out a lot of content on here. Uh, I think that's everything. I think I'm done rambling for the night and stumbling over my words. Uh, <laughs> but we will see you guys in the next episode. Yep, see you guys.